What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. This is your host, Steve Hillen, along with your fellow football host, Alex Ruiz and Matt Kaczynski. And gentlemen, our Super Bowl matchup is set. We've got something that many people may not have predicted. Nobody at, predicted at it. the beginning. Well, no, don't say nobody because Alex had one of these teams in the Super Bowl. Oh, well, yeah, okay, okay. So Alex has got <laughs> Alex predicted half of the Super Bowl correctly <laughs> before we even played a game. Um, but we've got the Bengals. We've got the Rams. They both won their respective conference championship games, both winning by three points the Bengals winning 27 24 over the Chiefs the Rams winning 20 to 17 over the 49ers so before we get into all of our topics on the show including the results of those games and what else is happening around the NFL we will start off as we always do with our drink of the night brought to you by our buddies at String Sports Brewery and I have a Samuel Adams cold snap white ale very nice okay Sam Adams has some good seasonal beers. They they really do. Not all of them am I, am I a fan of, but most of their seasonals are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely hit and miss. I think that's every brewery, but there's definitely, like, there's just a consistency about Sam Adams. And Matt and I have met Jim Cook uh, live and in the flesh. Yeah, it was a while back, but really cool dude. Yeah, he was. Really cool dude. Really nice guy. It was yep. a pleasant surprise. It sure was. So what do you boys got for the show tonight? Uh, I'm kicking it with my, my Bud Zero. All right, Bud Zero there for Maddie. What do you got there, Alex? I am doing my salted caramel deliciousness of amazingness <laughs> and whiskey. All right, there we go. Deliciousness it's and like, amazingness. You're like the white guy version of the white girl like seltzer with your whiskey. It's, fa- <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Good. It's so good. I can't oh, it's fantastic. It. I'm not criticizing you at Thanks. all. You like what you like, right? Yeah, I, I like what I like. There you go. All right, so let's get into it, boys. Lots of topics, lots of things happened on and off the football field um, in the NFL, um, as well as in college, as today is National Signing Day. But, and I know this is a football show, I have to give a shout-out since the Winter Olympics do start tomorrow. Um, so right. getting all revved up for... USA hockey. It's oh, that yeah. time. It's that time. Um, so I, I had to watch a movie yesterday to get me in the mood, um, get me all revved up and passionate for my USA hockey. Now, no NHL players playing in the Olympics this year. Matt, I will I will ask you this question. Alex, you're certainly welcome to answer if you know the answer. Okay. When was the last time that the United States men's hockey team stood on the podium with a medal without using professional NHL players. That would be 1980 in Lake Placid. That is. So, of course, I was watching Miracle last night um, to get all revved up uh, for the fact that we are going to go with a uh, an amateur squad. We've got a couple of veterans who play uh, in European professional leagues, but uh, we've also got six teenagers on the squad this year, let, led by uh, my boy, uh, if you haven't heard of him, his name is Matty Beneers. He was the first overall pick by the Seattle Kraken in the draft this past year. Second overall, but the first pick for the Kraken. But young kid, 19 years old, plays at University of Michigan. He's a stud forward. 
Look out for him. Uh, there's a lot of other good young players on our squad. And, of course, you can't forget the women because they're the defending gold medal champs. They actually play tomorrow in a prelim game against Finland. The men don't play until the 10th in a prelim game against China. But got to love me some USA hockey as uh, we get ready to try to medal on the pond. You so, and me both, sir. You and me both. There we go. So we've, uh, we've got that out of the way now. Uh, today, National Signing Day. I know it's lost its luster because of the early signing period and the transfer portal, but we'll just do some some recaps here. Uh, Texas A&M finished with the top class. Jimbo Fisher uh, reeling in seven total five stars. It was ranked as one of the, the highest recruiting classes of all time. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that translates to the field, but – A&M finished one, Alabama two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, Texas five. Uh, If you want to know what the theme is of those top five, that's four SEC schools in the top five. I'm just saying. Uh Um, uh, Rounding out the top ten, Penn State was six, Notre Dame seven, Oklahoma eight, Michigan nine, and North Carolina, the Tar Heels at ten. Miami got some uh, some late pressure, moved up to f- and finished 15. So good on Cristobal. Small class, 14 commitments, but 10 of them were four stars. Uh, Billy Napier got Florida from 76 when he inherited all the way up to 19. He closed strong, uh, 17 total commits, seven four stars. That's about Florida what my- State. What's that? Don't, don't skip off what Cristobal did. They were like pre-ranked the 70th. Class possibly going in, and he, yeah, I know you guys got all the way up to 15. Bounced them way back up. I'm telling you, it's because of the 10 four stars. You guys landed some big time players. Uh, yeah, sure Florida State's in year three of Mike Norvell, ranked 20th. Um, if you're a Seminole fan, you got to be a little concerned by that. Now, granted, you also haven't been winning, so it doesn't have its luster, but those are the uh, the big three in Florida. We're going to keep an eye on them in the recruiting cycle. I mean, as you know, this is all just, you know, scouts and stars and evaluations, and you got to get these kids on the field and see how they develop over time before you know if it really makes a difference or not. But needless to say, um, it does matter. You still need to get you still need to get elite kids. Look at what Georgia and Alabama do. So anyway, that um, that's kind of a, a brief synopsis of the national signing day period. Uh, we'll see what happens with spring ball. And then obviously when the season starts up uh, in labor day weekend. Now the big boy league, we just got done with the conference championship games. Uh, plenty of off the field news as well, which is where we're going to start. And boys, we got to start with, I guess the biggest off the field news, which we knew was coming, and it, it got announced, but wasn't official, then got official, and what we're talking about is the official retirement of Tom Brady. Now, we, we had a feeling, you know, Schefter and Darlington reported it. Alex was like, this is a done deal. Then Brady's like, uh, nothing's confirmed. Then he comes out on his podcast and does it on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Needless to say, it's all a done deal. TB12 is retiring after 22 years in the NFL, seven Super Bowls. He's got more passing yards, passing touchdowns, wins, blah, 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 you name it. <coughs> so my, uh, my question that I'm posing to you boys is, 
Um, we already know Brady is the GOAT. We've established that on this show in the past. All three of us are in agreement there. He is the oh, GOAT. Oh, is he really? I don't know. Um, I, might, I might have to challenge that. The question, though, is out of all of the quarterbacks in the National Football League right now, who has the best chance to be the the to have a career the closest to what Brady had, meaning multiple Super Bowls, you know, finishing top five or top ten in passing yards, passing touchdown, you know, a a goat one B type of career. Who has the best chance to do Joe Burrow? No, um, I mean that could be your answer. I mean, you never know, but. I mean, if Burrow wins in year two, just like Brady did, then game on. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I feel like easy answer. I mean, I'm with Alex, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I think the easy answer is probably Mahomes, but I personally don't see it. I just I don't think he I don't think he will. That is the easy answer. And there's certain there's certainly in leading indicators that would say that he's on pace for some Brady type of numbers in terms of like you know, yards, touchdowns, things like that. Yards, guy, touchdowns, wins. The guy I truthfully really do want to say with my gut, I just I don't think he will because I hate to say it, it's just the team is cursed, it is honestly Herbert. Herbert's throwing abilities lead me to believe that he's going to destroy some records in passing, but the problem is, is I just I, I can't trust the Chargers to make it to the postseason and do anything to make a big run. Now, yeah. I hope they change it because I would love to see them do it because for you, A, and B, just that franchise just needs it, and I like Herbert a lot. But, I mean, accolades-wise, in terms of skill set and arm, I, I think Herbert has the potential to at least challenge some passing um, accolades in terms of whether it's going to be most passing yards, touchdowns, um, you know, those types of things, you know, yeah. 5,000 yard seasons, whatever it may be. What do you think, Alex? Who do you, who do you think's got the best chance to have a Brady type of career? Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Late bloomer then. And I mean, Brady type of career too. You got to factor in not only the, the records with the wins, but the longevity. I mean, yeah. is anybody even going to play 20 years anymore? Probably not. Um, yeah. That's a whole nother that being deal. Said, um, I think I think the, the an active player that has a chance to replicate that would have to be somebody that's still young in their career. Yeah. Um I want to say look, I like what Justin Herbert's doing, right? I like what Kyler Murray's doing. I like what Joe Burrow's doing, especially coming off of that huge injury last year. Yeah. Um yeah. I think that speaks volumes to the amount of success. Now, a lot of that does have to do with them changing the play calling to suit him and freaking Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, but again, he's the one throwing the ball, so it, it makes sense. Um, that being said, I'm going to have to go with Josh Allen. Okay. Um, I just think the team is more complete. They're competing. They're still doing really well, um, and that's who I think has a better, better chance at having that level of success. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's just to, to Matt's point with Herbert is it's just now that's two guys who you got to get over the curse of the franchise. You know, those guys, those guys got to lift the curse off of those uh, respective franchises. I agree. I think both of those are excellent selections because they can certainly put up 
the statistics that if they do it, you know, continuously throughout their career, they're going to land in that, you know, top 10, top five potential with yards, touchdowns, wins, things like that, completions, all that stuff. And it, it'll come down to, I think, um, you know, the, the MVPs, you know, Brady's got three of them. Obviously the Super Bowls is a, is a huge component of, you know, Nobody. Brady's career and being the GOAT. Nobody's so, talking Brady in terms of like that's just a godlike tier. No, I'm not. I'm not saying Nobody. anybody's gonna get to seven like he did. I'm just saying who's got the the closest, who's got the best chance to get the like I said, a goat one B type of career. So yeah. a guy who could be like a Troy Aikman with three Super Bowls, a Rogers with four MVPs, a Breeze with you know second all time pass yard, like a combination of all these things. Um, that, that's what I'm thinking. And honestly, I, I would go with, I mean, the, like you said, the easy answer is Mahomes and he certainly could. Um, I'm not going to root for that by any means. <laughs> I, I think the, the next two best choices though, are the two choices that you guys picked being Allen and Herbert, because they've already shown the talent and the consistency early in their career to just put up yards, complete passes, score touchdowns throwing, score touchdowns running the ball, and now they just got to lift the curses off of their franchises and start winning, you know, regular season, obviously, and winning MVPs, but also winning in the playoffs and raising the Lombardi. So I'll take either one of your answers. I agree with both of them. But we can all agree that, like Matt just said, nobody's going to get to Brady. I mean, let's let's face it. Nobody, I don't see any quarterback with the way that the position's played now in terms of, you know, having to be mobile and all these other kind of things. I don't see anybody playing 22 years. It's just that and a simple fact, like, I, I think it's kind of been thrown around and it's just kind of like a statistic that people are saying, but you've really got to think about it. So up until 20 years ago, nobody had sniffed even, like, getting close to beating franchises in Super Bowls. And now... After we're we're coming up on what sixty Super Bowls we're get, we're get, we're in the we're at Super Bowl yeah Super Bowl fifty six is this year so you've got a guy that literally by himself in terms of the Super Bowls to his name he's won more won than any other team than any other franchise yeah yeah That's absurd and that also tells you it speaks volumes to the parity of the NFL though yeah well and that's another thing too is I I don't know I don't know if we're gonna see any kind any football dynasties anymore because of like you said i mean there's too many teams have too many elite too many teams have elite level quarterbacks the rosters change too much the i mean if there's i mean look at fuck the Bengals were the worst team in the league two years ago now they're in the super bowl you know what i'm saying so there's just a bunch going on it's going to be much tougher to have a a patriots type of dynasty i feel like unless unless you just have elite players and your cap is you know under control for you know, a, a three or four year period because you've got young rookie studs with guys who outperform contracts and all, and your superstars are su- elite level, you know? So who, who knows? The only but, way you can do it is if you get a team that just drafts really, really, really well all the time. And I mean, it's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, of course it's possible. I'm just saying, I think it's less likely with the way the talent is distributed around the league. So the we'll see, but right now, is the yeah. key, unfortunately. I mean, they've been that four, what, four straight? Yeah, I mean, they're the closest, but, you know, like, you know, like, you got to win. 
the big dance, um, which they've only done once. So, yep. But yeah, I mean, Brady, Brady hangs it up. Uh, obviously it was done on social media, you know, all of the uh, Massachusetts Patriots asshole fans all butthurt because, uh, you know, he didn't include them in his, you know, initial retirement farewell. He was only addressing the Buccaneers, even though when he left the Patriots, he, he did all of that thanking and swan songing. So Patriots fans need to cry a river uh, and build the bridge and just get the fuck over it. He doesn't owe you a damn thing. Patriots um, are now becoming the worst in the league. Oh, well, I mean, first of all, they've only identified with winning and they've only identified with winning because Brady's won for them. So there's just this level of snobbish, arrogance, blah, 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 entitlement. We are the Patriots. We should always be royalty and expect to win. Blah. Well, you don't have Brady anymore, so you're going to have to redefine your identity and the fact that it comes from the way that your franchise is run and the way your team plays year in and year out, not just one dude. But anyway, I digress. We could spend hours talking about all that bullshit. It's not worth it. But. Brady says two to lose. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. I think it would be amazing if in a couple of years, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are both like owners of an NFL team somewhere. And it doesn't have to be the same team. And they don't have to be the sole owner because they're not billionaires. But if they were part of, you know, an investment group or whatever, and they were owning teams and running franchises as executives, that would be awesome because then they would be competing as rivals again, trying to build teams to win Super Bowls. That would be literally Imagine the- if Brady starts winning Super Bowls as an executive. Dude, that would be fantastic. And then you start adding executives plus plus player Super Bowls and he gets to like double digits. Then then there's no question that he's he's goat among goats, like I mean, him on Mount Olympus with Zeus. Call it the call it the Tom Barty trophy. Yeah, I, they were. They really would. They would have to name something after him. I don't know that Tom Brady actually. Or that you want to know what the Alex? You want to know what the NFL would have to do? They'd have to. They'd have to drop the shield, and they'd have to be like the NBA, and they'd have to make a silhouette of Brady as the logo, like the NBA <laughs> did of Jerry West. Yep. yep. Something like that. Yep. That's what they'd have to do. If he know. keeps, if he keeps winning, he could be the. It could be the silhouette of Brady as the league logo. I actually don't see Tom Brady doing anything like that, though, in terms of office stuff. I really don't. Manning, yes, absolutely. I think Peyton very much will. I I think Tom Brady distanced himself from football a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, his competitive nature—you got to fuel those juices somehow. But we'll oh. see. I mean, we wish him we wish him the best. We we were fortunate that we got to literally watch his entire career. Um, so we we will. Uh, be able to forever speak about how we saw the best ever play, um, which is pretty cool. So, yep. Uh, the next bit of news that happened, uh, we uh, we check another one off the list of head coaches that got hired as the Las Vegas Raiders agreed to hire Josh McDaniels as their head coach, coming over from the Patriots. McDaniels is going to get his second go around as a head coach out in Vegas. What do you boys think of that hire McDaniels to Vegas? I'll let, I'll let Matt go first. Um, I'm not like the biggest McDaniels fan, but I also don't think he's like awful. And I think he's probably learned a lot going back, you know, to New England learning yeah. just a little bit being an OC. I think he got the head coaching gig too early. 
He was kind of like he was like McVay before McVay. Um, I don't know. I think it's an I, I think it's an odd pairing to be completely honest. Like I I mean I have nothing but respect for the guy. I have nothing. This is the second time out in the AFC West now. I just yeah like I I don't know though. I just I don't know that I see it fitting for Vegas. Like I I, I don't know. I don't know if his personality is going to mesh well with what that franchise is going to want to do. I just I, I don't think he's flashy enough. And what do you got there, Alex? You got any thoughts to that? Yeah. yeah. So everybody's like knocking this hire, right? Everybody's saying it's not a good hire. Like Matt just said, he doesn't fit in with the culture out there. Um, look, I don't know about you guys. The Vegas Raiders, and I say the Vegas Raiders for a reason, have not had an identity since they moved there. And they've been riddled with scandal. Yeah. So, I mean, so maybe, scandal and Vegas go hand in hand, no? Maybe, well, yeah. But maybe, just maybe, this is the opportunity that McDaniels needed to kind of put something in front of this, this you know, this franchise and, and try and help make them something that everybody's been wanting them to be for so long since they were in friggin' California. Um, I think, I personally think it's a good hire. He learned a lot. Obviously, he failed as a head coach once. This is his second chance. If he doesn't do it, you can guarantee he'll never be a head coach again. Yeah. How um, long do you think his leash is in Vegas? I think they give him three years. Yeah. I, I mean, they've I already agree got with a that. decent team, right? He's coming into a situation where the team is still pretty good despite everything going on. Yeah, I mean, he, he's adopting a playoff team. Right. So, um, unless he, like, turns something around and they absolutely just tank for the next three years, I, I, I think that he's got some leeway. I do, I do think that the expectation is playoffs for them now. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Have yeah. To. yeah, I mean, I, I think with the new coach, I mean, listen, I'm, I, I don't, I don't know if they're good enough to get back in, but I think that if you're a Raider fan, that should be what the expectation is now. Well, I mean, obviously we got to see how things play out, what they decide to do with the roster and all that nonsense. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, I'm kind of on the fence with it. I definitely think that. Uh, McDaniel's has learned um, how to how to reapproach being a head coach. I mean, he was he was what thirty? He was thirty two when he took that job with the Broncos. Now he's coming back and he's forty six. So I mean, it's been over a decade. You know, he's lo- he's learned with Belichick again. So I think that he's going to have a different philosophy on how to do things. Which, let's be honest the Raiders need to have some kind of a philosophy with some kind of a direction because they were being run by Gruden and Mayock for the last three years, which we all know is, you know, the equivalent of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Um, uh, the so, only thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to make, this is going to be probably, a, you know, unpopular opinion. I, I truthfully, I, I don't have confidence in the Belichick tree at all right now. To be completely honest, I think it's a, a joke of a, it's just the fact that you got tied to Belichick. Because right now, I, well, none I'm of them have buy- been successful. I'm not buying it. None of them have been successful. Yeah. I, listen, I I agree. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You gotta you gotta Florida buck the trend successful. in order for who? For, so we'll successful. I, I you still I still I don't know how I didn't hear you. Who? Flores was successful. No, he's head coach. Come on, he was. Come on. 
I mean, he won, he won games. He won I, games. I, I don't know if I if, – I wouldn't call him successful about, enough. If I mean, we're talking about the no. success of the Belichick tree, he is one of two coaches to actually leave and have a winning record. So Okay, but my point being, though, dude, is it's – It's not a good track record. Success. It's a small it's sample a size. track record, no, not by any means, but – He would be one size. of the outliers. Yeah. Flores is a small sample size. Most other coaches that come from the Belichick tree just have not proven to pan out worth a damn. And yeah. quite frankly, uh, that is a mark to me against McDaniels. Now, could he be the one to break the mold? I could see it because of the fact that, again, like Steve said, 32 gets the first go at it, takes over a decade to get it again. There's no chance in hell that that guy didn't learn some better tactics and learn probably a little bit more how to navigate, learn a little bit from Belichick, but create his own to not just try to replicate Belichick. And I think that's what everybody tries to do when they leave Belichick. It's like, oh, i got to instill the Belichick way. McDaniels is now out of time to probably hone in the McDaniels way. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't hate the guy or anything. It would be cool to see him successful. It just sucks that it's the Raiders because I'm not a – yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. So that's that's four of them down. And but, there, could be, there could be another one uh, coming up quickly. We're still waiting on uh, the Vikings, the Dolphins. The Texans, yeah. right? The Jaguars, who you know, <laughs> that's been that's been a joke. So I mean, we'll, we'll see. And then you got the Saints, who obviously they were the latest to the dance with the Peyton retirement there. So I mean, still five jobs. I know on the show last about which ones are the most attractive and whatnot. My guess, and and you boys, you tell me if you agree or disagree. My guess is that the Vikings job will be the next one that is filled. Um, I think that they're the closest to having a candidate. What do you boys feel? Uh, I, I honestly, I would, I want to agree with you. Um, but my understanding of the situation is that the general manager doesn't want to hire or not the general, the ownership doesn't want to hire Harbaugh. So they're like not signing off on it. All right. Um, I don't know why that would be. It kind of blows my mind. I mean, you know, it's it's not like Harbaugh has a track record of being an easy guy to deal with in terms of ownership and just team. Like he, there's a he has a track record of winning. So I, fantastic for, for a franchise that struggled to, dude, to get to postseason dude. and to win postseason. I think that's something that they need to Alex, seriously consider. I'm not disagreeing with you because I wholeheartedly agree that Harbaugh is well more than qualified to get another gig in the NFL. It's ridiculous that it's taken this long, in my humble opinion. But we all know that, as stupid as it is, yeah, winning is quite important. But sometimes with some of these franchises, look at some of the ones we're talking about. If they can't control, it, it doesn't matter. If they can't have their finger on it, it doesn't matter if it's winning or not. they got to be able to control it. That's the issue I think you have with Harborough, is he had such a weird exit because of disagreement of ownership and coaching strategies that, he could be facing it. I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. I don't know. Like, Vikings, like, what are you doing? Like, well, they're going to have to figure just, it out eventually. Design him. The dude is, he brought Michigan back to life. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, yeah. in a big way. Like, give the guy a job. I'm, I do agree with you, Alex. I really do. Like, no reason he shouldn't be able to get a job. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we'll Lord see. We'll keep, our, we'll keep our pulse on it. Uh, like I said, there's four down. Still five to go. Uh, I mean, there's not really a quote-unquote deadline, but, I mean, you know, the Senior Bowl is this week. 
And usually you like to have your staff ready so that you can focus on scouting the senior bowl. Now, I mean, every team is still going to send their scouts that are on staff or whatnot, but usually you like to have, you know, the head coach, GM, you know, either there or involved in the process. So I mean, it put Michigan in a weird spot, though, because National Signing Day was today. Yeah, yeah, it it, it certainly is whether you're whether you're, your signing class is all, you know, committed and locked up or you're waiting, usually you still hold a, a press conference just to, you know, kind of go through an overview of it. But Harbaugh was interviewing with the Vikings instead. So we'll see what uh, what that means. Now, we've got the Super Bowl matchup. Obviously, the game is not this weekend. It's in two weekends. So our show next week will be the deep dive into – the game and getting into the uh, the strategies, getting into obviously all of the the bets that go into it with the prop bets and some of the some of the crazy player bets and all those things like that. But we got to touch on it a little bit from these pat from this past weekend. Uh, you know, Bengals Chiefs in that early game. Bengals uh, couldn't stop the Chiefs in the first half, except uh, right before the half. On the uh, on the play where the Chiefs uh, totally mismanaged the clock and Mahomes threw a pass on a swing route to Tyreek Hill, got tackled inbounds, and Mahomes tried calling a timeout when they had no timeouts left. Clearly, the Chiefs did not know what was going on. Huge momentum swing, as Matt pointed out, in terms of not giving up any points before the half for the Bengals. And then oh, I think what we saw, and you boys let me know what you saw, but what I saw is one team make halftime adjustments and then another team fail to do or fail to continue do what was working. And, and what I mean there is the Bengals defense made adjustments in the second half. They weren't stopping anybody in the first half. They decided, you know what? The Chiefs have elite talent. We need to figure out how to take them away. So what do they start doing? They start going double team on Tyreek Hill. They start going too high safety. Try to take away Kelsey on the seam and allow their pass rush to make plays on Mahomes. And for whatever reason, the Chiefs decided that they weren't going to try to scheme ways to get Tyreek Hill the ball. He had zero catches in the second half after having seven for 78 and a touchdown in the first half. And Kelsey didn't have a catch until that last drive in the fourth quarter. The Bengals yep. D gives up three points in the fourth, no points in overtime, obviously. So, I mean, that was a huge, huge um, adjustment over the course of the game. One team made it. The other team failed to make an, a counter adjustment. And I really think that was the biggest uh, – difference had the chiefs and andy reed you know done something different knowing that tyreek hill was getting double teamed and and to throw another little caveat in there the chiefs just completely went away from running the football by which obviously helped the Bengals. you know in terms of defending a one-dimensional team so listen kudos to the Bengals for making the adjustments because in the first half they could not stop anything. Um, but I think that was a huge difference was just the halftime adjustments uh, that the Bengals were able to make. I mean, yeah. you guys basically said I was crazy. Mm -hmm. I am telling you, 
them stopping the Chiefs, whether or not the Chiefs gave a shit or not, which, you know what? That just goes to show that the Chiefs have now become that arrogant team that thinks that they can just do whatever they want. And I really they- think they had no idea how to manage that situation because it just seemed like the play calling uh, was didn't make any sense. And the, obviously, <laughs> Mahomes thought he had a timeout. Dude, you're giving them two. You're, 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 I think maybe, maybe I'm just an asshole. So I'll put that out there first uh, before I make this comment. I seriously think the Chiefs coasted in going, uh, you know what? Eh. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big gap, but the way the game looked, they felt like they had so much control that it didn't matter if they got the points or not. Well, guess what? You, you basically showed that, uh, well, we all know point. on this show that all points matter. Well, yep. it's not even that, though, dude. It's, I, I mean, I know sometimes it doesn't matter in a lot of situations, but certain games, certain matchups, those are swing moments that that makes a huge difference. I mean, you got to think the Bengals go into that locker room going, all right, we've got, we, we can do this, we can stop them. How do we keep doing this? And what adjustments do we make? Let's get after it and get hungry. And guess what they did? Well, they made the adjustments. There's no doubt about that. And honestly, I think that I really, truly think there's a lot of times we can go to these games and go, that's a play that made, you know, that's the game-changing play. That's a play that made the game where it went. That stop. I think my biggest surprise out of, out of that game was the, the lack of counter-adjustment that Andy Reid made offensively to try to get his players the ball because let's face it like I said first half Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey were dominating and the Bengals had no answer and then all of a sudden the Bengals completely took those two away and we saw what the Chiefs are when you don't let them use their best two players and they're nothing as much as you guys know I hate giving quarterbacks too much credit or putting too much blame, I'm sorry. If you're going to be Patrick Mahomes, you take every bit of ownership on that because guess what you did? He choked. You choked bad. I mean, I, there's no there's no doubt about bad. it. I mean, listen, when they had the ball at the end of that game and they could have gone in for – they had first and goal from the five-yard line. Mahomes gets sacked twice, loses 15 yards has to call a timeout. They have to kick a 44-yard field goal just to go to overtime. Are you kidding me? That is a choke job. Yeah. it's that's What what did I say when we were going in? I think it was going into halftime. If you can disrupt the offense's timing, because that offense is nothing but timing, and it is literally just like a little clock. All you got to do is shake it just a little bit, and the team does not know what to do. Now, don't get me wrong. It did go down to the wire. It went down to overtime. Like, there's some things that clearly, you know, they still held on. It's not like the Bengals came out and, like, kicked them across the field for the second half yeah. and owned the rest of the game. But. Well, I mean, the and, the and what's crazy is, like I said, the Chiefs averaged 5.8 yards per carry in the game. They did all of their rushing damage in the first half. The second half, they went away from that, and they couldn't get the ball to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. I mean, it was really unbelievable. I mean, kudos to everything the Bengals did. I mean, the Bengals weren't anything spectacular in the game. Burrow was 
good enough, made plays when he had to. I mean, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. T. Higgins had a big game and all that. Um, but there wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't like it was a Josh Allen here's type of that. performance. Here's, I think, one of the key stats, and then I'll let Alex, if you have anything to add, that way you can add something to this. Um, <laughs> the biggest stat to me, Burr only got sacked one time. Yeah, all the, all the crap that people were giving the Bengals offensive line, you know, about not now. Granted, their, their offensive line still is not very good, and when we talk about the matchup, Against the Rams next week, that is going to be a key component. No, in that but game make adjustments in terms of sliding guys into protection and making plays happen that gave Burrow opportunity to not have to just basically duck for his life. And he made smart offensive plays in terms of adjusting to where their weaknesses were on the line, which is clearly why they only gave up one sack. And we saw the way Burrow moved. Now, if he can hone in that percentage, and we'll get into it more next week. Look out, Rams. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the the Rams will be, I mean, as it is right now, the Rams are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. When we get on the show next week, that could be the same. It could certainly change. Um, you know, time will tell. But, you know, this one, uh, listen, uh, I mean, all of us were rooting for the Bengals. So, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, like we're disappointed in the outcome at all. No. Nah. Uh, like I said, in my opinion – I think that it was a combination of the Bengals making adjustments and the Chiefs really, I mean, they did. They choked. I mean, three three points in the second half of a playoff game. I mean, that's that's choking. Uh, yeah. And not only did the Bengals do it once, they did it twice. Twice yep. this year, the Bengals have shut down the Chiefs' offense in the second half, and the Bengals won uh, th- by three points each time. So, I mean, got you got to give them kudos. Sometimes a team just, you know, has your number, has it figured out. Bengals took care of business. Now, the other side of the coin, the NFC, this is where Alex correctly predicted which team would be winning this game before we even played preseason football. Right. That would be the Rams. Right. Now, we didn't even have a preseason game, a practice game, and Alex said, yep, Rams going to the Super Bowl. So, Alex, Stafford gets to the Super Bowl in his first year. Obviously, the trade was worth the first-round picks that they sent to the Lions because chances are the Rams are not in this game without Matty Stafford. Cooper Cup, we've established, is uncoverable and probably should be a non-QB MVP this season, although the NFL sucks and they won't give it to him. But Rams were down at halftime, and we all know you texted the, the stats. McVay was, is not good when losing at halftime. 7-22 nope. all nope. time when down at halftime. Uh, Rams defense in the second half. Stepped up besides the touchdown to Kittle in that third quarter. They really dominated. And, I mean, Matt, you've said this all along. Garoppolo does not make enough winning plays at quarterback in in clutch moments, which in the fourth quarter, here's a stat that moment. Hot trash. The 49ers ers did not get the ball past their own 25-yard line. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm shocked 
utterly shocked that Garoppolo actually passed for over 200 yards. Like, it blows my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Rams' run defense uh, was dominant. The 49ers could not run the ball at all. And if Debo Samuel doesn't take a simple little wide receiver screen pass 40 yards to the crib, they have no explosive plays. Yeah, that's true. He had that one play. That's really about it, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and that's not that's not a touchdown pass where you're like, oh, yeah, Garoppolo, Garoppolo made a throw for that. Now, Garoppolo threw – a little check down screen pass and Debo uh, turned into an athlete. I just, I've said it for a while and I'll keep saying it. Garoppolo is not an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see that the era of Garoppolo is up in the air. Now, Alex, you obviously were not surprised in the outcome of this game because you had the Rams winning. Yeah. There was no surprise here for me. Um, Look, I know a lot of people are like, there's no way he could have successfully predicted this. You know, like, uh, look, I get it. Okay. I've heard it. I've heard it in person. Well, yeah, uh, to all my haters, I just want to say, fuck you. Yeah. You're uh, hating it because you clearly did. So, um, so, yeah. you know, it, it, I'm excited about it because, you know, I, hey, I, I had a decent season on predictions, but this is the best one. Like, this is the, this is the cherry on top, the caveat. Like, bro, I predicted it. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Oh, obviously, I didn't have, I didn't have the Bills not making it, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, it's kind of intriguing. I hope, I, I really do. I hope Sean McVay gets this win. I hope Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup get this win. I think they deserve it. I think they're a trio. I mean, fuck, Aaron Donald's on the team for crying out loud. And they went and got OBJ, and then they went and got Von Miller. I mean, the team has done so much stuff to ensure that they were successful. They put the pieces in place to make this happen. Um, yeah. I, I think they deserve it. I mean, when you go all in, when you, when you take your entire franchise, you take, you look and you, you trade your first round picks until 2020, what, three or 24 or 24. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry. But like, if a team's willing to go that far into it and I'm not talking, Oh, well, the chiefs did it too. Look at what they gave Pat Mahomes. Yeah. dumbass. That's why you guys are struggling because you don't have anybody to support him. Um, the team went and did what they needed to do. They traded the assets that actually matter to put them in a position that they're in now. And the team has just played phenomenally. They've had soft games. All right. I'll give it to them. They've had some soft games where I've been like, oh, shit, maybe I was wrong. Oh, soft. Um, but they've proven time and time again that when it matters most, they will come through clutch and they will win the game. That's what they did this past week. And that's yep. what they're going to do in two weeks in the Super Bowl because they're going to get points dropped on them. I, I don't know how to tell anybody this. Despite how good their defense is, they will get points dropped on them this year. But they're still going to come away with the win. They bounce back, yeah. Now, I mean, I'll uh, – That's I'll... a little ahead. But, I mean, it's – I want to agree with you because I like Matt Stafford a lot. But yeah, I'd rather watch history happen. I'd rather watch a guy win a Heisman, a Natty, and a Super Bowl, be the first guy to do it, and do it in three years. Yeah, okay. But he can still have a chance to do it in the future. Yeah. I'm tired of watching teams buy their team to win Super Bowls. The Bengals didn't buy their team to win a Super Bowl, and they fucking did it the hard way by earning their keep. Give me the Bengals all day. Well, I mean, Early listen, the, the, Ram, hey, the Rams drafted Cam Akers, drafted Cooper Cup, drafted Aaron Donald, That's drafted fine. Van Jefferson. That's fine. I mean, they drafted some guys now. Fine. I, I'll, I'll say this. I want to bring up two – Two points to this topic as we kind of ro- roll into the 
the end of the show here. One is this is the second time in NFL history the Super Bowl matchup is two quarterbacks who were drafted number one overall. Can you tell me? So Burrow was number one overall. Stafford was number one overall. Can you tell me the other matchup that had two QBs that were both drafted number one overall and what teams were they playing for? Well, that I already know. Um, I'll, when I do tell you the answer, if you, if you give up, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Hold on. So you know oh. it. Hold on. Number one overall? Number one overall quarterback drafted on both teams. The quarterbacks were number one overall. Was Jared Goff number one overall? Goff was number one overall, yes. But he played Brady, and Brady was not. We know where to Um... But Alex, you're you're kind of in the ballpark. It wasn't it wasn't too too long ago. No, I, I knew I knew it was recent, but I can't put my now that you're asking me out front. Like I, I can't just like it's not popping in my head. I will give you a hint that one of the quarterbacks was playing for the team that originally drafted him, and the other quarterback was not playing for the team that originally drafted him. Oh, um. That's a big hint. No. And if you give up, it's fine. Is, is one of them Pat Mahomes? No. It is not Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes was not number one overall. overall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Peyton was. Peyton Manning was. But I'm trying to think who he played. Russell Wilson was not number one. No, he was not. Uh, watch, watch Peyton didn't play Russell Wilson. Peyton played Drew Brees. Or Brees, I'm sorry. Brees is I not. Don't, I honestly don't fucking know. Uh, you got a blank. He played Rex Grossman. Was not. Oh, was Rex Grossman number one? No. Sexy Rex. Sexy Rexy was not number one. Nope. <laughs> hey, I thought that could have been a long shot for a second. You better address him though. You better address him as his, as his right <laughs> name. Uh, he was terrible. Um, I don't know. I feel like it can't be Manning then. What are the quality number one? And not that I, I, I'm drawing a blank, dude. Like, Why? I genuinely thanks for putting idea. us on blast here, Steve. It's great. Well, I mean, listen, I had to think about it for a little bit, but then after I gave it some thought, I was like, oh, yeah, I got it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna be pissed if I can't get this. Well, I mean, I mean, like I said, if I do tell you, if you give up and I tell you, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah. So it's it it's up to you. I can I can let you I can let you think and let it linger on, or you can get the answer. Uh fine. The the, the listeners can hear how bad me and Alex are at football, evidently. All right. Well, I'll say this: you had half of the answer right. Peyton Manning was half of the answer. Peyton Manning played for the Denver Broncos against Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. That's right. Holy f- damn it! I knew I was onto it. Yeah, yeah. you were. Peyton Manning versus Cam Newton was the first matchup of two number one overall picks being quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, and now it will be Burrow what versus it, Stafford. That was, yep. So that was uh, that was the answer. It was Manning versus Cam, and now it is Burrow versus Stafford. Now, my other question to you boys, as we wrap up the show, 
We've mentioned a little bit about Alex mentioned Rams going all in, you know, trading first round picks, getting proven players. If you are a team that is, you know, you're, you're on the verge, you're, you're close, you're, you know, you've been a double digit win team for multiple years. You got a bunch of pieces and you know that you're probably going to be a good team, you know, drafting towards the, the end of the draft in the first round. Do you say, let's trade this first round pick and let's go get someone we know who's established in the league. Let's go all in. We'd rather have someone who's established at a place where we need to either be better or a place where we'd like to be elite and, and go, you know, take this more all in approach to try to win a Super Bowl. Or do you think that teams shy away from it because they just value the first round pick way too much? I, I think teams shy away from it and if you look at it uh mcveigh is really one of the only coaches to do that and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say what a lot of people probably don't want to hear but it's because he is a young freaking coach i mean that's that's all it is the guy the guy sees the game of football differently the reason he's having so much success is because there's a lot and i and look i get it they're successful they're doing what they're doing but there is a lot of head coaches in the nfl right now that have been doing it the way that it has been done for so long that that's why they're stalling out. That's why they're yeah. not having as much success as some of these younger teams are because so they went out and got somebody that can look at it from a with, different perspective. With this hypothetical or with this, with this topic of, you know, you know, sticking and picking drafting, keeping, keeping your draft capital, even though it's all unknown um, versus, you know, kind of going all in and being aggressive. Here's a, I'm going to pose a hypothetical. You boys let me know if you would do it or if you wouldn't. If you're the Bills, you've got Josh Allen, you know, you've got elite players on both sides of the ball, Stephon Diggs, you got Micah Hyde and Poyer at the safeties, Trey White at corner, um, you know, Edmonds and Milano are, are your, you know, your two linebackers who are three down backers, Ed Oliver, a D tackle. You know, you got the young Greg Rousseau at one edge rusher veteran Jerry Hughes at the other edge rusher. You're probably going to be a double win, a double digit win team, you know, drafting at the end of the first round again. If this is the scenario in your brain and being the GM, would you trade your first round pick to the bears for Khalil Mack? No, no. Okay. Nope. I wouldn't. You don't think, you don't think that if the bear, if the bills had an elite pass rusher, that could get them over the hop, over the hump, trying to beat Mahomes and Burrow. I think I, I, I think it can, but it's mm-hmm. not Khalil Mack that they need to go after. It would definitely. I mean, oh. you can pick. You can pick the player who who would you trade a first overall pick for? T.J. Watt. Well, the Steelers are not going to trade him. Right, but that would be worth it. That'd be worth multiple, like. Well, I mean, if you gave the Steelers three first-round picks, I mean, but then are you willing to do three first-round picks on a non-quarterback? Yeah, if he's okay. that good. Okay, he is. That, that's fair. Matt, would you give up three first-rounders for T.J. Watt? You know, that's a really – I'm on the – Be honest. I wouldn't give up that many first-round picks for a guy who doesn't touch the ball every play. Here's my thing. It's a, that's, a, that's a tough one, and – I'm on the fence because you said it earlier in the last part um, where Alex gave the thought. I mean, I personally agree that people put too much stock into the draft. I've been saying it for a very long time because, quite frankly, you get just yeah. out in round seven as round one. But 
I think it comes down to just team needs. Can can the Bills, in my opinion, afford to give up three number three first round picks? No. Could the Rams afford to give it up? Personally, I don't think so. Because quite frankly, when the Bengals well, they they the did, and they're in the Super Bowl and and beat them, it looks for no reason. Like yes, they got to the Super Bowl, but unless you get a Super Bowl and dominate a Super Bowl, in my opinion, it's not worth it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Not every team is in this situation because some teams can't afford to give up the first round picks or multiple because there's just too many glaring needs, too many weaknesses, too not enough depth, things like that. But then there's other teams who are in a position. Like packaging like a deep lot of draft picks, though, is like three number ones. And no, I think that's a little that can be a little absurd for a non like quarterback, really, essentially, because quarterbacks touch the ball the most. Like, they're, they're essential. Yeah. But, you know, you do like a two, uh, you know, two and maybe like a second in there. That, to me, is a little more reasonable. And I know it sounds weird, but I think that's more reasonable. And I actually, you know, a team like the Bills probably could afford to do that and probably should. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. stacked as it is. They don't have cap issues. They've smartly built their team. You know, uh, well, that's what I'm saying is, like I said, the, the you would have to go around team by team and say, OK, which teams are good right now that have well-rounded, complete rosters where there's not like you could look at it and say, OK, they don't have an absolute glaring hole that they just are are completely missing where they'd want to use a first round pick to address it. Where could they say a first round pick for us? It, this year would be luxury. Who could we trade and what could we get for? That's why, you know, my initial just example was the Bills could use an elite pass rusher to help get them over the top. The Bears aren't exactly in a position to win right now. So having a, having an elite defense is kind of overrated. Move the best pass rusher off their defense, bring them over to the Bills. The Bills don't need the 30th pick in the draft if they can turn that into Khalil Mack. You know, those are the type of scenarios that, you know, you think of. If if the Packers, you know, br- somehow manage to bring back their entire team, which we don't think will happen because of their, their cap issues, but if they did, they would be bringing back Rodgers. They don't need their first-round pick, and they don't need Jordan Love, their quarterback, who they used their first-round pick on. You could send the young QB and a first-round pick to a team that may want to take a chance to develop a young quarterback and have an additional first-round pick. You know, I don't know, maybe a Washington, maybe a Detroit, something like that, to a team that would take on the additional first first round pick and take on a young quarterback they can groom boom the 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 49ers they could go ahead and they could get or the not the 49ers the Packers could go ahead and they could get a Deron Payne from Washington or a you know Jeff Okuda from Detroit on their on their defense at corner or they could you know get Amon Ross and Brown to have a slot receiver you know, opposite Devontae Adams to give Rodgers another weapon. Like, there's so many different things in your head. You could play scenarios if you were, you know, a couch potato GM. But I guess the whole point of it is, you know, do you see teams taking the 
route of the Rams going more aggressive, going more all in, you know, less less uh, value in their draft picks, or do you still think that they draft, they build through the draft, they value their draft picks, and it seems like uh, Alex would keep the draft picks. Matt, depending on what you would have to trade, may be willing to trade the picks because you think people overvalue the draft picks anyway. And I do have to give Alex some credit on this, though, because I think it's a very valid point to keep an eye on as offseason kind of transpires with some of these coaching changes and everything is younger coaches or teams at least willing to take a more modern approach, I think are going to be the teams that are going to start ending up having more consistent success. So we said that dynasties may not happen, but we could see some teams that end up having some consistent success because they're taking a new, more, you know, modern approach. And I think, yeah, well, I mean, let's face it. If you get the right general manager and the right coach with the right philosophy and the right way of building the team, there's definitely a less, less of a chance of there being more bad teams. We could have a lot more just average or below average teams and have not really as many, you know, complete bust type of teams, which would be great for the league. If you have, you know, your yeah. worst teams winning, you know, five games instead of two games. Yeah, that I, I think it could slowly happen just based on yeah. – but we'll see. We will see. So it's going to be a fun show next week, boys, getting into the Super Bowl. Obviously, the game will break all that down, the matchups, the keys to victory, who, we, who we're picking. We'll get yeah. into handicapping it, you know, get into the, the props, you know. We'll, uh, we'll present some of our, our favorite props, you know, obviously coin toss, color, the Gatorade, length of the national anthem. Uh, you know, first song of the halftime show, all that bullshit. We'll get into all that because it's fun. It's the most heavily bet sporting event of the year. Um, so it'll be a fun show next week. You know, it'll be the last meaningful football game of the year. So kind of a, a bittersweet show as well. But then obviously we know we dive right into the off season, which uh, the three of us stooges do enjoy as well. So it's going to be a good show next week. You know, get your, uh, Get your notepad ready to write down some some fun player props and goofy props and shit like that. Where who knows you could win some money. So we'll see. But um, it's uh it's been a great season. We're gonna cap it off with one more great in season show. So for myself and Matt and Alex, it's been another lovely edition of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. And we will see you next week. <laughs>